0: Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy, and you're listening to the Bra and the Brief. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking, and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom, and everything in between, the Bra and the Brief is about people and their passions. So, on to today's episode. I've, gutted that I've not captured our, um, our breakfast chat to add into this podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm happy to start with food But um, I, I will say that I am delighted to be joined by Alison Wood and Mary Cochrane of Lilypads. Now, I am not going to do this justice I've got all the info, I've got so many questions buzzing about in this head of mine But I guess, if we're going straight in there Could one of you, or both of you, give me your best elevator pitch for Lilypads?
1: Oh wow that's a five question. <laughs> okay, so Lilypads believe that no one should be limited by their period. Um, our journey began way back in 2017 um, in rural Kenya, where we discovered that many young girls don't have access to period products. Um, and we wanted to do something about that from there, which has almost been, well, it has been three years now. It's absolutely crazy. We now um, sell reusable period pads in the UK, which are more comfy and affordable than others on the market, um, and that subsidises our work internationally. We also do a bit of education um, in UK schools. We love dancing about the classroom and talking about puberty, periods and bodies, um, and yeah, that was a very waffly elevator pitch of oh, what we get what up to.
0: Oh, <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah, I think I discovered you on Mary Lowe's
1: page. Yeah, she's fab. She's one of us. So she's a sustainability influencer who we were working with, and she actually tried her pads, which was amazing to get her kind of network as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, and she was talking at an event that I'd went to, probably very close to to lockdown. Actually, just well prior to all. When it all kicked off, um, so I've just been following her ever since. And then, actually, you're talking about dancing, so I'm a dancer. That's what I do. That I'm a freelance choreographer and dancer. Oh, wow. And she was dancing with one of your lily pads, and I was like, "What is this? What is she yeah. doing? What she <laughs> got in her hands? So it totally worked. Well done! You're... Oh, well She thank you. Absolutely got me hooked in, and I was like, "I need to know more." So, I guess before we really get into lily pads, I mean, I'm in all of what you're doing. I think it's absolutely tremendous. I'm interested to know what your personal and professional backgrounds were prior to creating pads. So, Alison, we're coming to you. Uh, so, I was studying economics at university.
2: We did a lot of research on productive labour forces and how you make sure people are trained to be in the workplace that they're in. You can tell by my voice this is something that can often get very dry and theoretical. And there are moments in me where I'm like, well, fab, but actually we've got a human there. And I'm also much more of a social person. I'm a grassroots, we can make the change. Why are people not able to do different things? What are their barriers? How do we muck in and make, it, make something different? And so it was a charity that i had been working with. My school had supported that I knew of like the past six, odd years. I'd been out to them previously. And when I'd been out previously, they'd asked me to help with their sexual health. Fair to say 19-year-old me was terrible at teaching their sexual health. But it gave me a good idea as I was trying to explain to you know 16-year-olds everything from periods to condoms to STDs thinking, I can't do this eloquently. How on earth do you not understand it? And so then I'm back looking at theoretical labor force theories thinking, well, in fairness, young women who get pregnant and don't want to be pregnant and have to drop out of school definitely can't be anywhere good in the labor force. So how do we... Look at that. How do we make sure people have access to the information? They can make the choices, which took me back out to the charity and took me back out to teaching loads and loads of students and asking them what they knew about sexual health, why they'd make certain choices, why there were rising teenage pregnancy rates, rising HIV rates. And one classroom very honestly told me that they needed to. And there was a moment where we were doing an exercise and I'd asked them to tell me all the reasons that these girls between 14 and 16 would have sex. And a 14-year-old is very little, mostly. And so it felt quite a harsh question, even though I knew most of them were sexually active in that room. And generally, you ask that question to 18-year-olds here, and you're going to get your like, because that feels good, because everyone else is, because so-and-so says I should. And I was prepared for these answers. And this little kid came back and went, because I need sanitary products and when I realized it was a because there are people in the village who know that we need them and if we sleep with them we get them I was just stood there thinking what the the hell are we going to do you know like this is one one set of theories that we need people who are healthy in order to be able to work and the other set of theories of if we've got no way to keep you safe because we have a natural function that there is absolutely no support for what what is the use in all of this sexual health stuff and so i love sexual health it really interests me i've done quite a lot of research at university and working with university students and so one half of me knew the theories that worked really well and how do you talk about sexual health and how do you have conversations that make people feel like they can make the choices and you're not telling them off the choices they've made and the other half was like oh, I have all this theory about markets and how they work, and we've got no way to make what you're doing any safer. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, the safest we do is tell you to get out of school or give you condoms. Neither of those is a good option for a 14-year-old. And so I started looking back at what products were on the market, why weren't they working, what was the price point, where were the problems, to realise that either we're donating them, and when you're donating them, you need to be able to do every child in every school every month of every year, which is a hell of a lot of money, but also those kids graduate. Those kids get pregnant, leave school, and don't have access to those products. The funder disappears. Something goes wrong. And they're back in square one. And so when we did a product trial and we took out reusable pads and we asked all the girls to try them, one of their teachers said to me, can I try them? And I was like, ah, that was a very good question that I didn't think of. Of course you're going to need them. If your daughter can't afford them, why wouldn't you be able to? Oh my god it's not just every daughter we need here it's every mum it's every teacher it's every woman in the who works like <laughs> where are we going to get these kind of products from which is what combined a strong sense of determination a thing that i've always taken up my own clothes because i'm very small so i can sew and so i was something like oh i can i can kind of make this product a good bit of well we're losing people at 14 and this is ridiculous and so after I've moaned to justify everybody about how stupid this problem was, I was kind of like, OK, either I can try and fix it and then I can be like, I agree, the problem is really hard and it's unfixable. I tried. I accept that it's too difficult. Or I can be like, ha, there is some kind of solution and I will take no more of this. Um, we chose option B. I'm not tra- sure. <laughs> option B is a drastic, difficult option. But whenever we find a community that gets access to some form of product, it's like, this is worth it. You can make really cheap products and put them on a market that are safe to use and women can buy them and then you know that they have them and I'm not in charge of them. They get to buy their own products. It's their product. It's
0: for them. Gosh. Right. I actually got, I, I, I'm a bit flabbergasted. I knew that fact because I read that on your website but you're telling me that story. Like I actually got quite teary. I'm thinking of young girls that I work with here in Scotland and it blows my tiny mind that period poverty exists in this country but to think of that scenario in Kenya is just mind-blowing it's just heartbreaking I can't even fathom so yeah I can totally understand why you were compelled to do something it was like well I just have to because the alternative is like I know this now and I've been witness to it I need to do something. But yeah, like you're saying, option B is humongous. And we will get there. Mary, what about you? So your reaction there is kind
1: of reflective of my reaction to meeting Alison. I met Alison the year after she'd been in Kenya for the second time, like doing her dissertation research. And I met her through university. I was just starting my second year of uni and... Seems yeah, quite a weird story. Just went along to a society meetup, which was all about trying to create solutions, social enterprise solutions. And I went because my flatmate was a member, it was really not a very exciting reasoning that I'm going. It kind of embarrasses me. But then through that, heard about uh the only info I got, Alison wasn't actually at that meeting. The only info I got was a reusable period pad project which just sounded right up my street. I've always been super interested in equality and fighting for change. And like Alison, that, okay, how can we actually make a difference now? What can we do rather than just talking about it and really wanting to get my hands stuck in? And then at the first meeting, meeting Alison and her explaining that story to me the exact same way. She just explained it and just feeling exactly like you, completely heartbroken quite emotional, super frustrated that I actually wasn't aware that something like that is happening. How could a biological function, which half of the population experiences, be causing something like this? It was just absolutely terrifying. And so that was me kind of hooked from that very first conversation, still remember it, into sticking with Alison and really wanting to get my hands stuck in and realising that Alison was very similar to me and. We had very similar values and beliefs and we definitely wanted to make a difference. I was then lucky enough to go with her out to Kenya and meet some of these girls and run our product trial um, very early stages years ago with her and kind of learn firsthand from the people in that community, which was just absolutely incredible. But also, again, just super, yeah, super eye-opening I remember when we were handing out products to one of the schools and the nurse who was ta- who was part of a charity was taking us around and she pulled a small group of girls out of the class to talk to them and we were handing out products she told us after that these she thought these girls were pregnant and we were in a super it was like a felt like primary school age kids it was like late primary schools like 12 14 year olds how are these girls being pulled out because they're pregnant it was just absolutely terrifying and that just extra belief of we have to do something there is no going back now I am committed to this
0: field <laughs> forever. Thank goodness you both were you were so compelled to do what you've done because what yeah. you have done in such a short period of time, like you're saying, what three years is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's incredible, absolutely incredible. I mean, I'm just taking from you know your social media and your website what I've seen, and that's why I wanted to speak to you because I'm sure there's so much more to know, and there, there's so many strands to lily Pass because you're you obviously you're you're talking about creating this product, you know, and Alison, you're like yeah, I can. I can hem my own trousers. So, yeah, surely I can make
2: <laughs> a sanitary
0: package. Yeah, wild optimism is uh, apparently necessary in starting a business. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, like starting a business, making a product, then the education side of things, going into schools here in the UK, obviously your links in Kenya as well. And then, yeah, like just tackling like period of poverty and like tackling the issue in Kenya. Like just don't do anything by halves. even the name like where did the name come from yeah quite uh
1: a funny well funny story because we were it was a small student team initially and I think the learning over the past few years is we do not do anything like you said um half-hearted we dive in we see a problem and yeah the last few years have just been absolutely crazy of just trying to do so many different things at once. The name was picked by us and the other student volunteers because we needed a name and it sounded cute. So the thinking behind it was not massive, but it's become to represent, I think, the craziness of the last few years and just their products themselves and feedback from the girls we worked with in Kenya who thought it was lovely as well. The name has gained meaning as we've
0: gone along (laughs) that's nice to hear that it has gained that meaning for you because yeah you would have had all these plans initially but i I guess you couldn't have imagined where it would take you so in terms of the actual product itself what's involved in that how was that created who did you have to speak to work with wrangle to to make that (laughs) a reality yeah a lot of people
1: it was a lot
2: of uh (laughs) Questioning and asking people and seeing whether or not they'd help, and so it's initially a lot of googling into reusable products, and then what I couldn't work out when we were making the Kenyan products how we were going to get the manufacturing cost down, and the most expensive part was the materials. And then I went on holiday or something with my parents and got into a lovely hotel bed, really soft bed linen, and suddenly thought, where does this come from? What happens to all this bed linen? So next came. I don't even want to think, how many emails to different hotels around Edinburgh being like, we have a project. We want a load of your old bed linen that's still really good quality. Will you donate it to us? Because it's generally 100% cotton and the toweling inside is absorbent. We did get a couple of curious emails back. And then one email, one uh, hotel took us through to Fisher's Laundry, who I'm still forever indebted to who phoned me up and were like, what do you, what do you want? And I was like your, like, your bed linen, if it's still in good quality. And they were, well, most of it has, you know, it, if it's in a hotel, it's lovely, good quality. It's generally got like a six month from the minute it's first put on the bed till it's chucked out. So they came to my front door with 20 bin bags full of bed linen and towels that was beautiful, pristine, white, you know, like top of the range. I would use with like a second thought i think there was one in 20 bin bags that had been drawn on and one that had a someone had like dropped a cup of tea over it and the rest was beautiful so we started there dyed all the bed all of it pink because white is an impractical color for a sanitary pad and started making up pads took them out to kenya and realized that that as a thing worked but wasn't very good for comfort and so then began to look at okay how do we upgrade this material what can we get as locally as possible so that we don't have to import it from halfway around the world and at the same time I had given it to everybody I could get my hands on in Edinburgh and been like try this for me I need to know if it leaks and if it stays still and if it works and if it does anything weird you have to try it and tell me I don't think I had many friends in my last year of university but most of my female friends all of my guy friends who had a girlfriend or something like that got dragged into it. So all these poor girls who I barely knew were like, well, I got told that I have to try your pad and talk to you about it. And I'm like, yes. Yes, you do. You do. Sorry, there's no there's no choice in this matter. I need to know what happened. And they all started coming back and going, it's really comfortable. And initially I was like, you liars. Does it work? And then I started to be like, hang on. Why? What, what, what are you normally having? And everyone would go, well, I normally get like a rash when I wear a pad and it like rubs against my legs. And after enough people said that, I was like, okay, start with the low voice thing. This is a thing. Apparently we all get this. We all get nappy rash. This is not a you thing. This is not that your like thighs rub or you're really fat or anything like that. Don't get me started. This is a product problem. And then oh, I get really itchy and then I haven't got itchy wearing these. And I'm like, again, not a youth thing, product problem. But why have you all got this and why are you, none of you talking about it? And it was like, because everybody went, oh, it's a me thing. And I was like, it's not a you thing. After enough, people have got it. And so then we started going, can we make this in the UK? And what would it take to make it here? And the one thing everyone consistently went, though, is it's really comfortable, but I can see it through my jeans. And like, I'm OK, I'm product testing it for you, but I'm not wearing a product you can see through my jeans. And I was like, right, how do we get them thinner? And I started looking at all the other reusables and thinking this is a really common problem that our reusables are quite thick and they have to be. They have to be absorbent, and so that took me on a lot of research. Pretty much anyone I spoke to had any textile background. I'd be like, "So, what do you think are like absorbent types of materials and what kind of materials work?" And having said this to enough people, someone who's in, like the Manufacturing Institute was like, "Oh, I've just had a PhD student who was researching absorbent materials. I could give her a call." And so she got on the phone with me and was like, "I don't know any off the top of my head, but give me a couple of weeks." And then came back and was like, "So don't freak out." And I'm like, "Now those words, those words—they fill me with something." And she's like, "It's not—it's not in the sanitary product industry at the moment. It's a material that's used for other things, but it's really absorbent and it's really thin and it is washable and it'll do exactly what you say." The factory might be a little bit confused when you contact them. They're used to like multinational people they used to bulk orders their first thing was like yeah we sell it in 10,000 meter rolls 10,000 <laughs> I was like team I need a 100 got hold of them told them what we were trying to do initially got one of my other favorite humans who was quite a young guy who'd been in science all his life who sat having this thing and half of his brain is clearly like right so we've got an absorption problem what we need to do is this that and the other and the other half is like I'm talking
0: to my golf spirits,
2: like, <laughs> so that was our first thing: was getting absorption down. And the second thing is, no one wants to sit in a wet puddle, and so we knew we needed to get rid of that. And so that involved talking to a lot of people in athletics and saying to them, "How do you get materials to stay dry?"
0: Yeah, and
2: then making everyone wear test it. So does it rub? Does it do anything? Is there any kind of weird and wonderful side of it Do you only make in really random colours? Finally found the material we loved. We found it manufactured in Europe. So I did a lot of dancing because that was all three of our uh, fabrics made in Europe and could be manufactured in Europe. Then had to speak to, I don't even want to think, like probably more than 15 different types of seamstresses and garmentologists and people who specialize in how fabrics are constructed. Because every time we'd fix one problem and then say to people, can you test it? Can you tell us what you think? Everyone suddenly tells you the next problem on their list and you're like, fantastic. But, and so it was like, Oh, I'm really used to product moving and I don't want it to slide. And I'm like, good point that they're actually going to fix that. And so now our products are pretty much identical between Kenya and the UK. They're a different type of stitching around the edge because it reduces the cost. But other than that, there was a moment when we started developing and realizing the one here is all about comfort and discretion. The one in Kenya is how low can we get manufacturing costs. But actually, most of the things can be transferred between them. And so there are very little that only does half of that equation. And so then the end, the other thing is the one in Kenya has more absorption in it because the girls want to wear it for 14 hours and not six to eight. But God, yeah. yeah, other than that, a lot of beg, borrow, steal, ask nicely. But you're, someone,
0: you're obviously not scared to do that you were just on that train so passionate and you were like this has to be a thing I know it can be and I went to a workshop well a webinar as we all do these days don't go anywhere in my life now um and the the person leading the workshop was talking about what a real collaboration is so what what teamwork is and what a collaboration is and she said that a collaboration when is where everybody involved has their fingerprint on the thing that you make and that's what I'm thinking Lillipads is all about. Think of all those people that trialed, all those conversations you had with all the experts about absorption and about fabrics. And they've all had a fingerprint in making pads wow. an actual thing.
2: We did, for like our crowdfunder, we went back to say thank you to like one person along our journey every day. And 28 days was not enough.
0: Earlier on, we mentioned that there are many strands to lily pads. So the whole education part of it, and going into schools and speaking to people about periods and about I lost my words puberty. That, that yeah, one puberty. That's the one. <laughs> that. yeah, that's the one <laughs> puberty. Well, to be fair, Alison, you were saying about people talking in hushed tones. Yeah. Why? Why are we still whispering? It happens to a lot of people every single month. Why are we still whispering about it? Yeah, and I think back to being at school. And I remember the the period puberty chat was not great. I mean, they did their best, but it was like a video. It was an actual video that went in, like a VHS that went into the yeah. telly. The telly that they used to wheel out. I remember actually being terrified about this chat. Because, you know, it's all like the hushed tones and whispers and you're hearing all sorts of like horrific things before anybody tells you anything that's actually true and uh, yeah, we watched this video and I was actually physically sick oh my way. just oh through no. like anxiety, not because of anything I'd seen, I think it was just like the stress of like yeah. being very like, you know, oh and the girls are going into this room again, the segregation and not talking to yeah. boys not talking to men, not talking to males about periods and about you know, it's like, it was very, very hushed tones. And yeah, I'm sure it's moved on. Please tell me it's moved on.
1: <laughs> Honestly, really not that much. I had the same experience of you, of girls were taken to one room and boys were taken to another room and you were never told what the other group was told. So it just added this funny. mystery and, oh, what are they, why are they getting told something? And it just made it so much worse than it needed to be. And that is really why we wanted to start, start our own education piece, because it frustrated us that young people were still being split up when they were being told about periods and puberty. So we knew we wanted to do something completely different, kind of lily pad style. We, it began because we were actually researching in schools about products. So we were asking young people, you know, would you try a reusable pad and trying to learn more? of that way and it was through these focus groups that we realized that people just didn't want to talk about periods with us and you know you saw young girls literally just freeze like don't ask me that question and so we began to kind of dig deeper and ask them about their perceptions of what they're being taught in school because we realized there was definitely a gap in knowledge and then we began to speak to boys as well and yeah the feedback we got was really that bullying about Bullying surrounding periods still existed. Boys would take products out of girls' bags, and girls were scared to pick up the free products because now all schools get free products in school. They would not go near them because they would just hate to ask the teacher. And so we realized, okay, this is an issue. There's free products in schools to try and combat period poverty, and girls are not able to go and pick them up because they're so embarrassed by the period. Wow! And teachers don't know how to kind of combat this. Yeah, that was quite frustrating, I think, for us, because, okay, you've got all this money and all these products just sitting in cupboards, and girls aren't actually going to get them. So yeah, we worked with our organisation down south to try and create our education piece. It was going to touch on puberty very briefly, and then periods. Initially, it was just going to be those topics. And the only criteria we had that we wanted it to do was for it to be super fun and super inclusive and super engaging. And so, yeah, it was really fun kind of having all these workshops, dancing about a room and coming up with really fun games that we could teach and deliver in schools. And, yeah, now I describe it as a very wacky um, hands on lesson. And it's all about standing up and getting into groups. It's taught to everyone, no matter what gender. Um, And it's a very safe, fun and engaged space. Um, lots of like role play activities, lots of movement exercises. Ah, sounds
0: right, I want to come to your workshop. <laughs> it was
1: so much fun. I mean, the students will look at us when we walk in and we tell them what's about to happen and they just are like, oh my word, their <laughs> blood just drains from their face and they're like, no. Four lessons in though, they love it. They are engaging in fab conversations. They're able to actually say the words penis and vagina and um, period which they're able to overcome that it's absolutely amazing <laughs> and yeah we just found that it really breaks down that horrible environment that you were talking about that really anxious environment where students think they can't ask questions and they can't laugh and they can't you know get things wrong we really wanted to just tear all that down and create a space where students can laugh and ask questions and yeah get the information they actually need and hopefully it's more memorable than a teacher kind of standing at the front of the class with a PowerPoint is the aim. <laughs> yeah, because
0: it's not every teacher that wants I mean, I've got loads of mates who are teachers and they're like, Oh, I've got to do sexual health. And you know, they're yeah. not they're not excited about delivering it. And it's yeah. that it's the passion that you both have for what you're doing that drives that forward and yeah like you're just talking about this every day so it's like you know just rolls off the tongue for you and I guess like there'll be young people who have a supportive home life where they can have these conversations maybe with their parents or with a sibling but in school it's like a, it's a different scenario it doesn't matter how much confident you are at home talking about these things um, it's yeah it's that environment you know peer pressure like you're saying like all the other factors come into play so I think it's wonderful like I've been witness to just young people being scared to be vulnerable in a, in a, you know in a creative mm-hmm. sense like when you know I'm in a dance class and I'm like we're going to do dance today you can see half the room like I don't dance you know and then it's just like you're saying just breaking down those barriers and five minutes in everybody's on board and just I think it's wonderful you've given them that opportunity to have those conversations that it not be weird and you've left something like a legacy you've left that knowledge and understanding and yeah just that it'll break down the barriers and hopefully help people to just deal with what we're having to deal with like, we can't escape it. It's going to happen. So, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, I am i can't gush enough about what <laughs> you're doing. I think it's amazing. Exactly. So, education, creating the pads, I guess, like, that. that's not it then. You're like, we've not, like, right, we've sussed it, great. Like, I'm sure there's so much that's still ongoing. Like, what are you in the middle of just now, Alison? So,
2: our UK pads are arriving early next week, so we get to dispatch all the crowdfunder ones. I'm going to be so yeah. excited. And so lots of publicity, website optimising, making sure people understand when they land what's actually meant to happen is one half of it. And the other half I love is now working with all the international charities that find us. I pause because part of me every time wants to be like, how did you do this? Like, see, like I'm very proud that you navigated towards me. Now, how did you do this? But we got all of our international pads in last week. I'm not sure I meant to say this, but they were beautiful, and I was really proud of them. You know, period pads, or maybe I'm like they're really beautiful, guys. But i not. I'm
0: and sure just, they are. I believe you.
2: They're so much better than they were three years ago, as well, which makes me very happy. They're jetting out now to Malaysia and Cambodia, where we've got a partner charity in both who are going to be giving out the pads to their women, but also training up some of the women they support to sell the pads. They can go and sell them in communities and in schools and in churches, because they always end up there. And then we've got about four, five now, different other countries and partners that are waiting on products and we're doing some part of regulatory training, finding the right people to get products out to them because as soon as we started talking about the international became very obvious that Kenya was not the only country sadly I really kind of wish they were but they're really not so yeah so much work now on finding the partners and getting things in place so that we can start sending out products and getting community set up but it's also this is the part I love because I'm like you know impact there instantly yes we can solve that problem you email me and go we've got 100 women who we support in one aspect or another, and we know that they can't afford period products. And I'm like, my jam, we have them here. Where do you want them? How do we do this? And they go like, oh, well, someone said to me, we've loads of training manuals. I'm like, how do you talk about periods? Especially when here, if I'm telling you something about periods with puberty, you've got a doctor to back you up quite easily, and you've got internet. And if you haven't got either of those, it suddenly becomes like, hang on, how can you actually prove and how does what you make make sense? So we do lots of work on how do you actually explain what a period is so that it makes sense? And people are going like, can I translate this? And I'm like, yes, do whatever you like to. Please send me a copy if I have it for next time. But, like, but it's just nice reading back some of the responses that people have and the learnings that we have every time we try and enter a new country and the moments of like, oh, this is something that one community act differently towards so the community in malaysia got in touch and they went like please don't talk to us about internal products we know they ex- like cups and tampons we know they exist they sound really cool but they don't work for women here that <sighs> you're putting something inside you that's not okay that's and so like, the cultural barriers there just leave it and i was like cool i'm never gonna tell you that I disagree. And I think you need to tear down a culture, but like that exists. Let's, let's focus on the problem we have right now. And we can deal with other things later. Let's get pads going. What can we do this very second and not 10 years down the line? So yeah, lots of international and an awful lot of packing boxes next week, but it's going to be with happy music. So I'll be down for that anyway.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking about like women here in the UK who are like you're seeing like all those things that people were just putting up with and are putting up with with nappy rash and being able to see a pad through your clothes. And, and then just that aspect of, you know, sustainability and being eco-friendly and reusable. I think people are just like, ah, and I, this comes up a lot in the podcast and I understand like the world's problems sometimes feel like so mammoth that people are like, well, what can I do? And you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you can actually do lots of things and actually the process, it will be better for you and it will enhance your like quality of life. You know, if you are currently suffering from Nappy Dash, from your sanitary products, well, here's a thing that actually is good for the environment and it would be good for you. So it's a no brainer. Yeah. And I think it's just like the language and the passion, really, from you guys that is going to sell this to people who are a bit skeptical or a bit like, "Aye, aye, aye," but I'm ha- I'm I'm happy enough with what I'm doing. And you know, the impression I get and what I got from your social media alone and what I'm getting today is that the passion that you both have is gonna push this through to the people who really should be listening and really need to know about this. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and. Like you didn't have enough to do, you then decided to start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. What what was the kind of impetus about starting that and a, and how have you found the podcasting world as as we do a podcast? <laughs>
1: yeah. And I know talking about a podcast on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, I think at pads we love talking to people and we love people and we want to really make a people centered company and we want to create a community. So whether that's, you know, their international work, we're all for collaboration again and working with our partners because they know the communities better than we ever will. Whether it's here talking to the people who buy our pads, we want to know exactly the niggly things that annoy them so we can try and actually solve them. And it was through talking to lots of people because we want to continuously talk to our customers and improve and learn from them that, yeah, we got the feedback that they love kind of hearing from us and they love hearing our thoughts which seems very weird Um, and they love hearing our backgrounds and our stories and they also love podcasts. Podcasts are huge just now and so we thought okay let's let's dive in. It's a fab way to actually connect with the people who follow us in a really direct way and share a side to us that people might not not always be aware of and share our personal stories. So yeah it just came from that kind of desire to want to speak with our customers more directly and our community because we really want to build that community feel. So yes, yeah, it's been fab. It's been weird, <laughs> it's been weird to kind of talk about us a bit more and not just the kind of company side. So
0: these are the things you've got to think about and just like your logo and your website and you know all the graphics and all of that work that goes into that. To because you know, essentially you it's a product you're trying to sell it to the world. It's got to look as professional as slick. Your ethos is there. You know, everything that you do is got that behind it. And yeah, the podcast is like a strand of that that people buy into people. And, you know, I I've totally bought into you both today because like I'm saying, your passion <laughs> rings through. It totally does. And yeah, I think that'll only help to strengthen as much as it's more work. And you're like, oh God, like I need to talk on a thing and people will hear me. Um <laughs> I think that, that that's a really Smart Move um, podcasts are a massive thing. And actually, you'll, you'll get a lot out of it. Like, I, this is the best thing that I've ever done, or one of the best things that I've ever done is start a podcast. Because you just get to, like, talk to lovely people about stuff that's yeah. interested interesting. I know,
1: it is kind fun of talking to people. I think that's something we love, so it's good.
0: <laughs> I haven't brought this up before, really, on a podcast. Um, I'm very much a positive person and focusing on the positives. But actually... I wonder, are, have there been particular hurdles or what you would deem failures that have absolutely steered you forward, that you've learned something so important that has been instrumental in the story of pads. For me, it would be around the product. And so when
2: we started thinking about the UK product, my assumption that I built quite a lot on was that we were helping people swap from disposable pads to reusable pads. And i built a lot around this and I talked a lot about this and I looked at the market to what I thought made sense and then I went on a course and got challenged to go and speak to lots of people and not people that I had um people i had been like oh you're currently a disposable product user fabulous talk to me be like do you want to chat about your period and what products you use fab start me off and realized that actually a lot a lot a lot of women were pads with tampons or with cups because they're scared of leaks and this is something that I had never even thought of and it was something that I really then had to go back and look at you know like what would we have to change the product to do who would we need to talk to did we want to change it did we want to do the marketing or do we stay with our initial hunch we've done it typical our style I'm going oh we could just try both and see what happens but that moment of like I have really focused on this Mm. And this could not be in our favor right now. And now I need to go and work out what people are telling me and what, they, what they're what they saying in their words rather than what the marketing journals and analytics are saying in their words. Yeah, that was not an easy or fun discovery. And it's one of those things where I was like, oh, but it's great because your market gets bigger. And you're like, no, not when you've built a lot of assumptions and you've told a lot of assumptions. And now you have to be like, so I may have learned something, which generally happens in that voice every time I've done this you're like sticking your fingers in your ears you're like
0: la 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 don't tell me anything more I don't want to know <laughs> I'm like, oh.
2: hopefully it's going to help but yeah it's one of those moments of like. I've done a lot of research into this there's been a lot of work on this have we just started on the wrong starting point
0: yeah but the, these are the lessons that are probably the most important you know and they're unavoidable I guess yeah yeah
2: it's one of those things where it was like oh actually no this just gives us another avenue and it reminds us that we're all very different and absolutely lovely to talk to especially a lot of people who wear cups and then are like oh but i also wear tampons at times and you know like i'm a terrible cup user And i'm like stop doing this stop telling me you're a terrible cup user you're using a cup you are saving the planet it doesn't matter if you're using it every day or not don't start me on this but it's not like oh so
0: we're not all like perfect beings and this is the thing about not talking about periods like because we don't talk about periods a lot of time well used to do I think you's talking about periods for the whole country but (laughs) I'm just thinking in my friendship circle it's not something that Uh I talk about a lot then yeah these things you don't understand everybody's experience you just assume that everybody's kind of the same as you and they're not funnily enough (laughs)
2: But getting that yeah. round. oh, I mean, I've definitely made mistakes of talking by periods and contexts that are just, they're not ready for that chat, they're not okay with that, that. and they're being like, oh, this room is deathly
0: silent right now. What about you, Marie? Is there anything springing to mind? That's a
1: really fair question. I'm going to steal it for the future.
0: Um,
1: I think for us, I mean, it's not really it's a failure it's not a failure it's more like an ongoing challenge I think or something that we've maybe overcome parts of on this journey and like a big learning so much broader um compared to Alison's example but I think just sticking with what we want to do and sticking with our kind of values is a constant struggle especially in this you know I never would have guessed that I would be entering the business world. I was not that type of person. I would assume when I was younger that a successful business person is super confident, slightly arrogant, and maybe male. That was probably was my perception when I was in high school. So kind of entering this world, talking about periods in this world, which is, you know, sometimes there's a lot of men in it. That's kind of an ongoing challenge and something that I've had to kind of tell myself and we tell ourselves a lot no we deserve to be in this space we should not underestimate our abilities we should not underestimate ourselves as business leaders our business owners you know we deserve to be here we know what we're talking about um, and just that constant I think sometimes you have little flip-ups where you might step back and not speak up and I think now reflecting we're definitely able to reassure each other more and reassure ourselves more that no we deserve to be here Yep, we're a woman in business and we're talking about periods as a business idea. It might not be, you know, the standard business, but it's, you know, we deserve to be in this space and that's fine. And yeah, just sticking to our our values and our drive to be a socially conscious and have social impact as a business as well, which some people might not understand. Some people might say you should just be profit, profit. No, we're not going to give up the side, the international and the education side, because that's why we started what we're doing (laughs) so yeah it's kind of an ongoing an ongoing learning and you know everyone has flip up sometimes where you might doubt your confidence but trying to get better at saying no you know, I deserve to be in this space, one
0: hundred percent. And thank goodness that you are in this space. Like, yeah. honestly, I think it's it's wonderful, and I, I will do everything I can through the Brawn and the Brave to promote what you are doing because I think it's it's wonderful. We're moving on to what we call the Thingamabobs. Are you both okay for time?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You good. Cool. I'm excited for Thingamabobs as well. Are yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. So I will ask the question, and then you can both obviously answer separately. We'll go with a totally random one first. Alison, what is your current obsession? Dancing happy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm back on re-watching it. I know, I know, but I just, I can't. It's a really
0: easy watch and cheers me <laughs> up. I thought this was you just discovering it, but no, you're actually rewatching watching it. Yeah, I'm not sure if that makes it better or worse. But... <laughs> no judgment here. It's just a very much- lighthearted ridiculousness. Well, I think with all the work that you're doing, a wee bit of lightheartedness is allowed. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maddie, what about you? Mine's
1: just Well, we're going to seem like TV obsessed, but my obsession just now is definitely re-watching, again, Gilmore Girls. I've just got re-obsessed with Gilmore Girls. It's just so wholesome and so, like, yeah, it's so easy watching.
0: I only watched, and I binge watched it last year, the Gilmore Girls, in entirety for the first time.
1: Yeah, I was quite late to it as well. My friends, like, forced me to watch it. It's so good. I just, yeah, I want to be Lorelai, and I want to live in Hollow and yeah.
0: <laughs> they actually don't do any work, they just get They just get coffee, get coffee. <laughs> yeah, we just get
1: coffee all the time, and eat burgers, and they eat so much all the time, but, and do no exercise, but they're, yes. so, so, yeah, I don't understand. They seem so healthy.
0: <laughs> right, here's one, I mean, it's a pretty standard question for kind of one of these lists, but, um, who would be your three dinner party guests? Now, this actually could be, you know, if, if Lilypads were going to host a dinner party, Alison, you can have three, Mary, you can have three. But yeah, I'd be interested to know, like, if Lilypads could have a dinner party, who would you invite? Oh, wow. Uh, I know straight off the bat, Emma Watson would be one of them. She's uh
2: human. We based a lot of things off in terms of made it in one way and then used her influence and power and yet stayed genuine and normal and relatable
1: i'm gonna say michelle obama yeah again she's just you know so amazing i read her book as well yeah she's definitely up there she has to be there
2: uh cheryl wudung would be another one who wrote she does many many things but she wrote an amazing book that was one of the things that made me think I could do this. It's called Women Hold Up Half the Sky. And it's all about these charities or organisations all around the world and what like amazing grassroots things they've done. She went to all these places and can tell these stories. So I'd love to be like, how? And like, what? And everything you've learned, let's hear it.
1: Um, I'm going to say Greta Thunberg. She's done amazing things. And yeah, showing the world that a young school can take over the world when she believes in herself so yeah definitely her and for that yeah fab chat about sustainability i think she'd be a good member
2: (laughs) how
0: many have we left two we've got two Uh, uh,
2: i'd go with Brené brown very cool and she was one of the first well she was the first book that me and mary read together on dare to lead all about leading with vulnerability and authenticity and it was an amazing way for us who've been working together for like two years to actually get to know each other, and was quite a scary thing to do with someone else. Because it was a lot of your like deepest moments. And I'd love to be able to be like, again, what have you learned? What she has such an amazing way of talking and sharing her information.
1: I mean, we could get David brother as well, oh. just to have a guy as well. He is quite respected by the elderly generation as well so I think it's good for us to share our words with him so he can pass them on because they're more likely to believe him than us
0: loving your choices <laughs> best advice ever given to you
1: I would say something really small that's not that inspirational but just sticks with me on a very like very day-to-day basis it's very is like done is better than perfect so I think for like the perfectionist side of a lot of people when we're trying to do so much. That can come in really handy because sometimes you want to perfect something all the time, but actually, no, that's it's just not feasible. I have to have a life as well, you know, outside of Lily fast sometimes. And <laughs> trying to just get through things. That is, yeah, a very practical bit of advice, but not the most a inspirational. No, I
0: think that's perfect,
2: yeah. A good friend had told me when I uh, thought I had mucked up and ruined a lot of things, and needed to phone someone who is a like a good advisory friend who's also a lawyer and I was like well i really mean it." you but like and he was like they've seen it all pick up the phone and that stays with me now for whenever I'm like I have made the biggest mistake known to man no one has ever made something bigger or stupider than me and I'm like nah wait for it I'm sure someone can top me if I take it to a professional and sure enough he was like You've done what? Well, that's nothing, Alison. Breathe. It's like, responsibility. <laughs> nothing is going to end. We can sort this. And I was just like, you have no idea. <laughs> so, basically.
0: as a catastrophizer, I'm totally there with you. So, I should listen to that advice for sure. I can't thank you both enough for coming on the Bra and the Brave. You are truly bra brave in what you are doing. And uh see a bright future for everything that you're doing because the passion and you know just like the good that you want to do shines through and it's obviously just woven in to every stitch of of those beautiful beautiful pads oh thank you you are both so eloquent in speaking about lily pads and what you're doing i wonder if rather than me rabbiting on do you have any lasting words that you want to leave with my listeners
1: Everyone should definitely check out our podcast. It's called Time of the Week. It's the time of the week where we sit down and chat about everything from periods to feminism to running a business to general lifestyle and our experiences. So we get a very friendly, friendly space. So feel free to join and then join our community.
0: The link will definitely be in the show notes of this podcast. Amazing. Our pads and
2: our international side is live. So if you're someone that currently dislikes their pad, I've spoken to many women that really, 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 really hope we've solved the problem. And if not, can you message us so I can start looking into it? And if you know of international charities or partnerships or you work halfway around the world, or you're one of the many women in the UK that fly out to countries with pads full of bags full of pads, can you drop us a line? Because we'd actually really like to help. And it just makes me smile how many suitcases go around the world with pads because someone knows someone who needs them
0: and we need to help. Amazing. And yeah, <laughs> we will put all the links in the show notes and obviously i'll promote this on social media and linking you guys and everything yeah i just wish you all the best oh thank you so much i hope you enjoyed today's episode of the brawn the brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests bye for now